What's up, baby? Welcome to Refrag, and my name is Drew Face. This is my co-host. I'm Scooter, and today we're going to be talking about Valorant, a player getting DQ'd for being Mexican. And we're going to be talking about Simple closing out Katowice already this year. Navi looking strong. We're going to be talking about a little bit about the 100 Thieves Gucci drop. We've seen what it is, and you're going to get all that information. And finally, we're going to be talking about the update on the Siege uh, Dark Zero skin copyright situation and uh there's a bit of an update on that as well so drew let's go hop right into the the valorant news yeah so virtuoso uh disqualified themselves because the team that they were playing against uh they got disqualified on a technicality that technicality wasn't because someone cheated it wasn't because faulty hardware or bad internet connection it was because pax invited a player without doing their research and this player happened to be from Mexico. And this terminal was supposed to be North American only. Now, I don't know about you, but according to my geography, Mexico is North American. Now, I guess they have one of the worst internet uh, infrastructures in the fucking world. That's that's fine. I get it. That's why a lot, a lot of um, North American tournaments often exclude them. But Valen's good enough that Mexico can kind of play. And yeah, PAX Arena invited this team who had this player and it didn't do any research. So virtuoso thought, Hey, I don't like that. We won like that. And B it's not their fault for making it to winners finals and not, you know, and then not being able to play it out with them. Like that, that's, this just feels very really hollow. And so they, they disqualify themselves after obviously the other team disqualified themselves. And I thought it was a, a very honorable thing to do because one, it's not about the money sometimes, right? It's only $10,000. And, like, Virtuoso is the teams that qualified for challengers before, or they made it to challengers. Like, you're a really good run in challengers. And, like, they're like, no, like, this is this doesn't feel right. And I felt like it was uh, it was surprising because most of the time a team would take that victory. They would sit in, like, grand finals just to make more money. But they didn't. They just disqualified themselves. And for the first time in my life, there was no winner's finals. <laughs> Yep. Like in an esports tournament, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, a big ups to Virtuoso because you know, just the way they handled it on socials and they talked about it openly too. And they were like, "Yeah, you know what? We don't want to win like that." And I get the competitive spirit that you know everybody wants to win, but it's amazing when people, like you said, most a lot of people would take that easy win and would take the money. But it is so refreshing to see an org and a team and they all decide, you know, we don't want that. We want to win because we won. We want to show our skills and show why we win this event. Not because somebody got unfairly disqualified. Because, like, I get it. Um, like you said, the infrastructure for their internet isn't the greatest. But, you know, we all, most other tournaments, like lands and stuff you're allowed even if it's a north american team only you're usually allowed at least two players from a different country like whether you have two europeans for a north american team you have two mexicans or you have two uh like apac region players and it's like i don't understand what the tournament's problem in the first place was they honestly the this is on the organizer's fault they invited easy five right uh to the tournament and they didn't do their research yeah. Right at all, and then you waited until winners finals to like say, "Hey, D Cop, the Mexican player who got DQ'd because he's from Mexico, 
you're 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 disqualified like what yeah like, that's insane and i i heard that from my understanding of the situation virtuoso and easy five were trying to make this happen like they're trying to find any way for it to have like to have this winner's finals match because let's face it you're both in winner's finals that's like that's where people want to watch you that's where most of your eyes want to be like you guys are like cruising to like the top of the sum of this tournament to the bracket of this tournament and it's like okay now you're dq'd because you're d cop you're mexican and we don't allow that and you waited that long because fps tournaments take forever dog like yeah this could have happened at round one <laughs> yeah and that's the biggest thing right like i i feel like if that slips past your nose if you're if you're the to at that point you've got to let it go like you got to be like and, and that's the thing both teams were okay with it so it's not really like a lot of the time yeah tos do have final say but for most of the tos that i know if i if i if they walk around the event and they talk to both teams and they say are you guys okay with it are you guys okay with it and both teams go yeah we're all right with it it's fine then okay no problem but for some reason they took it upon themselves to be like oh both teams are okay with this well we're not okay with this and it's like they want to play the game they just want to play both teams are fine with it let them play and i get it because like we've seen a lot in the past couple of weeks where mexican player mexican players are very upset especially in the siege game like yeah. scene because um they're playing in the south american league where yeah, they want to be playing in the north american league because it's yeah. better for them and for all for a lot of them because they're closer to the border it's better for their internet like they're pinging better to north american leagues and obviously north american league is on land yes so like who can you blame they want to play the best of their game and you're already putting them at deficit and it's silly because yeah under riot mexico is part of latin america right and yeah. then the worst part is this tournament is locked to like us and canada and then they invited they invited easy five they're like yeah you could come you're a good, good team like you're not like an eight like you're not an s tier team but you're an a tier team come play and then obviously these guys are like okay well i mean you know we have a mexican player and they're like yeah sure whatever don't care yeah. and all of a sudden winners finals happens slap them yeah uh, the packs fucked up on that one uh, yeah for they, sure they, they really did but i mean yeah. speaking of another grand finals simple navi taking home cologne this past couple of weeks and they've been looking strong while doing it navi i mean yeah that's simple doing simple things simple had the most aces ever at a cs tournament with four Four aces in Counter-Strike. Like, let me tell you, getting even one, getting even a, f a 4K is amazing. But he had four freaking aces. He had to kill five people. And I, you know, most, like, you confirmed this with me, but the reputation I've heard from Navi, it's always been simple carries and electronics sometimes does some work, right? Yeah. But like, but, like, it seems like this Navi team is finally shaping up to be a very, very strong contender because they were extremely dominant. They beat everybody in their war pack. Yeah, I mean, for Navi, the big thing this year is going to be, can they... Well, everybody's looking at Navi and Simple to finally win a major. And if you are newer to CS or you're just not... You don't really catch it and you're just listening in, Simple is the best player in the world for CSGO. He has won the number one spot multiple times, bar a couple stolen away from Zywoo. 
um, but he's never won a major. And every time they get close, they're shut down. Nope. And, you know, the big thing for him this year is that as everybody returns to LAN, this Navi team is looking really strong, but people are asking the questions of, one, is it, this, is it the time for Navi? And two, is this the first LAN jitters? Like, is everybody getting comfortable again? Are we going to see someone else be really dominant? And I, you know, I love the competition, but I want to see a Navi year. Navi need a major. They need it under their belts. Yeah, they're, dude, they have like, they're close to getting the Grand Slam too. This is definitely their year, right? They have three wins. Yeah. They have, they literally have more wins in the Intel Grand Slam season than anyone else. They have to get one of these majors. Now, you're explaining to me off the podcast before we started this podcast that CSGO is really weird. Like, so in the FGC, our tournament seasons, like maybe one or two tournaments are like very, they, there's like a variation of it, but it's been super consistent, right? There's a ton of legacy in the FGC. So a major will be like these four or five tournaments every fucking year for the FGC. It will never change. It will never change unless the tournament organizers a scumbag, which by the way has happened, but that's another story for another time. But in CSGO, it seems like anything can be a major. We don't know what determines it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So we were talking off podcast. We were talking about how, like, uh, Katowice was a major last year. Or, sorry, in yeah. 2019. Uh, but it's not going to be this year. And the same with Cologne. Cologne was uh, a major in 2015, 2016, and I believe 2017. And this one that Simple just won isn't a major. Yeah, and I think that's that's totally messed up because, like, technically, he would have won a major. And uh, shouts to my mom. <laughs> and, I, yeah, he would have won a major this year. Like, literally, two majors. Because he won Katowice in 2020. He won, like, another Katowice tournament in 2021. And then now he, he's won Cologne. Like, this guy. And, dude, these pop bonuses are crazy, dog. Like, they're, like, half a million dollars American, which is, like, at least 20 zillion dollars in Canada. Yeah. So it's like he's winning as much money as if he's won a major. Like just, just, just why are we making the like every? If simple wins a tournament, does that mean that term is not a major anymore? Like what, what's going on? <laughs> they're just, they're just plotting it around simple. What what's he attending? We're gonna make it not a major. But, not a major. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, that I think the weirdest part for me is while we had touched on is that. So all these events changing, and I, I personally don't even know what determines it, whether it's like whether a company pays the most money to get a major, because um, I saw on the list that PGL is returning and PGL hasn't really had anything going on for a while. I, I didn't know what PGL was, and I've been following CS for seven years. <laughs> yeah, I think they've only ever had one major in the past, and I think it was in Russia. And uh, it's weird because the prize pulling, like you said, like some, like the Grand Slam is an extra, I think it's a million dollars if you win all four. And that's like major money, literally major money. Yeah, and, it's major money. <laughs> yeah. And, but the weirdest thing is CS fl like fluctuates so much. Some years we've got million dollar tournaments like the Boston Major, I believe, and like a couple of the E League events. And then a couple of other tournaments have been 1 million. But then next year it's going to be like 400,000. In first place only walks away with like 250 and it, it just doesn't make sense and it's like cs and again at least to like one of our very early episodes if you haven't seen it we like to go on our our tangents about valve and valve just needs to do what they do for cs or sorry do what they do for dota but for cs and we'd see cs thrive 
CS would be a completely different game. Can you imagine a community funded case where everybody who opens it, a portion goes to the teams, a portion goes to the major? It would be the biggest event in esports history. I can almost guarantee it. And here's the thing about CS, right? From a person from the FGC side, I saw a, a grassroots community, CSCO, grow, evolve, continue creating a whole ecosystem for itself to become this fucking Goliath that's almost... It's the third biggest esports in the world. Like, right? It's the third biggest one. After League, after Dota, it's CSGO. And I'm just saying they're like... And and the thing is, what makes it unique, CSGO, and this is what people fucking forget. Despite all the crazy sponsorships, despite all these other, like, you know, official backing from major companies, it's grassroots. Like, a lot of these companies started literally with from the infancy of CSGO. Like, a lot of your organizers, a lot of, like, all these other fucking things. Like, even Blast is supported by Faces, right? Faces started as a fucking service. Like, 128 tick server service, right? That, these are all things uh, that, that, that are organic and endemic to the to this game. And it's, like, it's incredible to see how far CS has grown within itself, within its own community. Now, Valve Bucket did something with it. Holy crap. Like, this, I mean, I, I get why. It's very hard, right? Because, like, let's face it. Siege, they say it's a simulation, and you're playing it with characters, people who are like made up. CS doesn't fuck around; it it gives it to you raw. It's like this is a terrorist from Russia with sunglasses, <laughs> aviator. We gave him aviators for some reason versus a guy in a balaclava who calls himself a counter terrorist for the Swedish army. Like that's like they're not fucking around. Like they're yeah. just like there's this is not a there's there's six there's like thirty two rounds of these guys killing each other. As a counterterrorism terrorist, like that's like, like that's probably the biggest. That's a hurdle, right? Yeah, that's it's, the it's hard to give traditional sponsors that, and them actually wanting to get behind it. The weirdest thing for me is got to be, like, like forget about the prize pool, forget about Valve's involvement. The biggest thing people don't seem to understand is, even though CS has its quiet marks, like I'd say definitely during COVID, CS had a huge dip in viewership. Mm -hmm. Um. But when it's not COVID and where we are at lands and stuff, almost every major breaks Twitch. Like CS is always breaking viewer, like uh, viewer records and stuff. And everybody's always like, oh my God, the CS major broke a, a record. And it's like, we do this every year. Like every single major CS gets bigger and bigger and bigger on its own from the pure community aspect and from the tournaments. But Valve wants nothing to do with it, even though it breaks Dota's records when it comes to majors. It breaks everybody else's records. And it's for a 250,000 prize pool, maybe a million. And we're still smashing records. Like, come on, Siege. Siege, the, uh, the Invitational. $3 million prize pool for a game that is nowhere, in my personal opinion, is nowhere near the esports level of CSGO. And but Valve doesn't care. Valve doesn't want to do anything like that. And it makes me so frustrated to see because when you break records and it's like it's on every news site, it's on every esports news, and you're like, oh, that's really sick. Like, good on CSGO. And you think Valve would be like, good on our community. Let's give them something. Or let's bump the prize pool. No, they do, they do fuck all for CS. They're essentially just the people that go, oh, we need to update something because it's broken. I guess we'll do it. And it, it breaks my heart because, like, 
during COVID, CSGO grew like in terms of player base. It grew. It it yeah. it it has the highest peak in on Twitch outside of Dota. I mean, sorry, on not Twitch on Steam in terms of participation and, and active users besides Dota. And I'm like, and it doesn't make sense. Valve, like, like what, what 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 more does Valve need? Like, yeah, it's like, a it's a complete green flag for Valve because everybody's locked inside. They could play any game in the world. They they're stuck at home. But what do they play? They play Counter Strike. Counter Strike yeah. peaked over a million players for the first time in a long time, like consistent, and uh, and then it broke the numbers for Dota for like active use in, in the past couple of months. And it's like, when will Valve learn that CS is loved by a lot of people? Even my yeah. friends who play Dota, even like for example, you as an FGC player or FGC fan and stuff, it's like my Dota friends love it. They watch the majors and they don't even play I, the game. I love it. Yeah. Like, I Counter Strike is so good. Like it's a great, it's a great game, right? It's just I don't like Valve is pretty dick. And here's the weird thing: like, why does Valve care about sponsors for a game they don't like? Like they're not trying to get more sponsors. Like all you have to, all all your all the CS like communities asking for is, hey, if you want us to have a major, please re- like and just release something. Yeah, let it be crowdfunded. We'll fund it. We'll fund it ourselves. Like yeah. that's what they're trying to say. Like that's what you want. Like you as a CS player is is asking Valve, hey, can you release a community like fun pack or the money that I give to you to pay for your developers to for you to make money, you'll split it with other people, other organizers, other teams in my Counter Strike community because I want to. Because you, as a person of the FPS community, Counter Strike community, want to support Counter Strike, so you're just asking Valve, hey, can you give me another outlet to help support my game because I love my game? And Valve, and like Valve, has no reason to say, oh, no, that's a bad idea because I don't like making money. Like, no, they don't have to say that. You know, the dumb thing too is come, come like a little down the line. I don't think they're going to do it right away, but Riot's going to do it first. Riot's going to be like, here's a skin pack. It's new and exclusive. It's going to be up all month and it'll be in its own esports section. So there'll still be the featured pack and it'll mm-hmm. be an extra pack at the top. That'll be like support the major mm-hmm. and people will buy it. Riot will break records and they'll be like, wow, we got a lot of money from that. And Valve will sit there and go, why can't we do this? And they'll be so confused and they'll be sitting there and they'll wonder why the game is losing its fan base. Sure, the active players are still high, but the people that love the game, why do you think they're all moving over to Valorant? Look at JW. He just got benched from Fnatic on CS and there's yeah. heavy rumors that he's going to Valorant. If he goes to no, Valorant, yeah. it's crazy. It's CS is officially losing its player base. At least in the dude, pro level, sorry. Dude, a lot of pros are planning to switch over because, yeah. like, they see how Riot's treating, like, the fans there. They're like, the, Riot cares? And then, yo, here's the best part. I bet you they're not going to do it for the third Masters tournament. They're going to do it for the final stage of their tournament season, which is, I think is called the championship. That championship season, they're going to release, like, a, a Dota community pack. Bro, I'm going to buy it, right? Because oh, you know 100%. why? Yo, do you, okay, so here's what... So I was listening to another... Because I'm such a fucking nerd, right? I was listening to... Uh, I always listen to when the developers release a skin uh, with the guy named Hitscan. I watch that channel a lot. Uh, because, like, you know, it's great inside, whatever. And he always interviews the developers when they release a new skin. 
in this latest skin, the Sentinel of the Light skin that they released, uh, or they're planning to release after this Ruination skin, which is like League of Bit, like Legends theme, developers are talking about how they're using all the data of us buying these skins for something, right? And, and I think the hint is they're going to create an amazing skin pack for the final stage of their like uh, competitive pro tour. And it's going to be like everything we want. Like literally yeah. everything we and they're they're like, yeah, this is why we're doing like a ton of like variations of like similar skins because like you guys keep buying, like you guys aren't buying the nice shiny one. You guys like the edge lore dark one, right? So yeah. like the final like right, right I just think right like from what their developers are talking about, even when they release skins, they're they have us in mind. Yeah. Right? Why can't why can't Valve do that? Like, and that, that's the biggest difference, right? Like when Riot does make skins. I'll, I'll, I will be the first to admit Riot skins are way more expensive than CS to an extent. Now, obviously you can buy a case and then, but cases are terrible in CSGO. But if you buy a skin, you know, maybe it's a, a blue, a purple, even a pink, maybe even a covert. Sometimes it'll be like 50 bucks max, but, but you can sell the skin and you can trade it, whatever. And then obviously there's skins that are like 25 grand in CSGO. Right. But, for the, the for the basic price of a skin for that package for the featured package it's expensive and i'll be the first to admit that yes but like you said they're giving us what we genuinely want and they're such nice skins and so well designed and thought out that i go i'm okay paying that price yo and here's the best part i don't have to open up a case and gamble yep. my life away right like i don't have to rack up my credit card to get like a skin they're just like, hey, we have this pack for you, and um, you're gonna like, like it. <laughs> yeah, and then yo, here's the best part: they have like, even, they still have a gambling type of system. Yeah, right. And we're like, you know, you go to the shop, and then there's five random skins that they previously released at the end of the day, and then maybe the skin you really want will show up there. But like, that's the thing: I didn't have to pay for that. Yeah, they it literally refreshes. Me, yeah, it just refreshes, and they're just like, hey, this is what's up for sale this week. You can get it, and I'm just like. Thank God I didn't have to buy a skin, then buy a case, then hope I got another shotgun skin. Like, that cost 10 cents. I yeah. just paid 10 bucks for this. Well, $5 in total, right? Sometimes the cases are, like, $100 because of, like, whatever rarity it is. But, like, I don't have to do that. I don't know. It's just... It's frustrating. Valve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck Valve. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I mean, I just wish they would uh, pull their head out their ass a little bit. Stop selling us what we don't want but something that is getting sold that we do want is that new hundred thieves gucci bag okay i was actually very okay very very happy with what they released actually because it's a and people were gonna say hey this just looks like a red bag with like small subtle pattern and like the hundred thieves patch on it it is done so classy so well i could wear that in public and they'll be like wow you got a gucci bag and i'm like yeah i do i've never seen that colorway before because gucci never makes a solid colorway for a bag unless it's in like one of their iconic colors which is like like tan green or red yeah. this is a different hue of red it's a hundred thieves red it's got a nice fucking like embroidered like not embroidered but like a very subtle pattern printed into it i uh, sorry embossed into it and then it has like the subtle hundred thieves branding on the little like on the top of the flap of the bag. And I thought it was really good. It's like 
I'm very happy with that. I thought that could have gone sideways. Now, am I going to buy it? Not it's already sold out, dude. <laughs> you were right. The resellers got to it. Yeah. But, and it was $2,400, so I was definitely not buying it. You know what we That's were also right about? Mm-hmm. We were right, but more so you were right about they, Gucci did not take the risk of letting 100 Thieves get their own pattern. No, they did so, not. They did not get a whole pattern. And, they, and the best part is they didn't get their, they didn't get an entire apparel line. So Gucci was like, we're going to minimize this eSport risk. Yeah. What we're going to do? Gamers need bags. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it, it is a nice bag. Like, and I understand they make yeah. their own version of their bag. So it's essentially just a, an addition, mm-hmm. um, like a special edition. But it's nice. Like, it looks good. I think, I think it was the perfect amount of 100 Thieves. Um, like I said, you were right about them not giving them the, their own pattern. And I think that is the safety factor for Gucci. Yeah. Um, do I still think it's going to end up in the hands of gamers? Probably not, but the, for the people that are gamers and do get it, all the power to you. You know, if you've got that money to spend and you like it, I think it is a cool purchase. Um, I'm surprised it was a bag, though. That's the biggest thing for me. I I think so. Here's the thing: Gucci Gucci bags are very like Gucci, like that's their hallmark item. Yeah. So in a way, it's like it's like um, it's very representative of the relationship. They're like, hey, we we kind of trust you. This is a risk, but we're gonna trust you with our iconic trademark, which is the Gucci bag, right? Yeah. We're gonna give you like we're gonna get please design a Gucci bag, and they they did. It's a great job. It's a great. It's a well designed bag. It's got the hundred thieves red, which by the way, like once again, Gucci would never do that. Will never let you run your own color. So it shows them that there is some type of trust, but it's a very safe option because, like I said, they didn't. You did not design an entire apparel line yet for Gucci. Now that now that this bag has sold out, they can gauge the interest. And I bet you they didn't. They made the minimum amount of bags needed to make that, which yeah. is like I think for a company that big, five hundred is the minimum, I believe. Or maybe like I'm estimating 500 to a thousand, but more so 500, closer to 250, 500. Um, I think, and that's not a lot considering Gucci is like a billion dollar enterprise, and obviously 100 Thieves has a ton of reach, right? Yeah. So 250 to 500 bags made, like that's not a lot. But if it all sold out, that it shows you how, um, and especially at the speed of it, which only took like 18 minutes, 20 minutes. That's that's fast. That's great. That's like almost sneaker like. So, yeah, it's, it's I, good I job. think good job. I think I think if if Hundred Thieves do another one, they will definitely do sneakers with another. Obviously not with Gucci, but I think they'll do it with like Nike or Adidas or something, okay. which is a much more logical step. Yeah, and I think I think they'll do that step backwards because I don't think they'll have the. I honestly just don't think they'll have the resources to do like another Gucci right away. No. No. Um. <laughs> But the the sneaker, if they do sneakers, those things are gonna sell out like that. Like, I mean, hundred thieves essentially just appeals to sneaker heads for the most part. Like, it, I mean, because Nate—that's the thing. People can relate to Nate Shot because Nate Shot is a sneaker head. Like, he get he loves all his custom sneakers. He loves all the sneakers he can get his hands on and shit. Just shoes in general, and I think that will. I think that'll be something we see next, and we'll have to see if any other brands follow follow along and do any of these big collaborations for sure now speaking of designer we gotta talk about this apology from that siege guy who stole that shit dead bird did apology did apologize and you told you told me about this and i'm i was reading it and 
Dude, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think of his apology? So I'm just going to cut essentially right to the chase with this one. I think Dark Zero have handled this situation because I got to give them props. They handled this situation perfectly. They did what in their power, you know, they started their investigation and they came out a couple of days ago and said, uh, he's no longer going to be with the at Dark Zero and they've shut it, shut it down and they apologized and they reached out to the, all the artists involved. Now for his apology, um, I think, and I'm, I'm just going to be really blunt about this. It's probably the most cowardly apology you can make. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you haven't read it, uh, I'm sure you can find it on Twitter if you're into siege, but he essentially said, yes, I did reference and I did, uh, recreate community community art. Um, but I've never stolen art. Uh, and I read that and I'm sure Drew read that. And my brain instantly goes, when I recreate something and I copy you, that is me stealing your art. And I don't know, Drew, how, how, how did that come into your brain? Okay, here's the thing. There's a fine line between like doing a parody, a satire, or essentially quote unquote riffing, right? Not ripping, riffing as in R-I-F-F. Uh, and then there's like stealing. Riffing is when you steal something so big, so popular. Now you're just making a subtle parody of it. Like that's why Weird Al gets away with all his fucking parody music because he's just riffing on the popular tune, right? And everyone's cool with it. Why? Because it's so popular, so big. Um, the the common, like, the common person will be like, "Oh, I know that. That's like a parody of Michael Jackson's beating." This dude stole someone's community artwork. That community artwork. That guy could have like, I didn't know what the fuck that piece was, right? I didn't know what the community artwork was. This guy was passing it off as it was his original. And that's the problem. If he just straight up was like, hey, I saw this cool artwork from X artist. And I decided to take the pose. Like, yeah, I don't think we'd be in this situation at all. I think he still would be working for Dark Zero. Like, yeah. if he did, if he did that. Because that's basically like, like all, like, no one's going to listen to an artist break down their work. Except for other artists. Now, when other artists see that, hey, you know, this guy parodied my work and he gave me credit for parodying my work or like referencing my work. Like, that's like, that's cool. That's like, I'll give you kudos. He didn't fucking yeah. do that. He literally stole it and was like, I'm gonna make my million dollars. Like, I'm a Fiverr artist. Yeah, I'm the best. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck, dude, this guy's this, this guy's super, and he's super popular. He's way, he has a bigger, Dead's, uh, Dead Bird has a bigger following than the artist he, he, he referenced. And that's that's not cool. Yeah, I think cool. I think a big part of it, too, is that when because a lot of the people were obviously in those communities, like because it was a lot of Valorant art, Siege art, um, some some stuff like the Samurai Girl wasn't uh, Siege related. But for example, the Valorant art, you could have literally reached out to them and said, we love this like we can we use it? And I can almost guarantee you if either a fan of Dark Zero and it was drawn for Dark Zero in the first place, or even two, they're just a Valorant fan, you could reach out to them, pay them the money because you fucking Dark Zero definitely has some money and just, you know, get them in on the project. You could literally do a community collab and get all the, all the original artists, pay them as much as they want, if it's reasonable and have a great piece. Here's a, yo, here's a real story, right? I made I made a logo and I referenced this logo from a very popular fan art, right? But I reached out to the artist and I said, "Hey, can I?" So here's a logo I made. 
I'm about to give it to the client because I like this version of like, cause I made obviously a ton of variations, right? I'm going to give it to this client. I, can we use it? Can we use your, like your, cause your head, like your, your illustrations, the inspiration for this local, they said, and I asked them how much is the licensing fee? Because I would like to use, you know, because I reference your work so much, like blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, like I would want to use it because I don't want to get sued by you. And two, like everyone knows this, this artwork's very known. Like you're, you're the artist. Like I gave you the, like, I gave you the, like, ref, like literally I have the chat log and everything. I was like, Hey, I, I, I'm giving you, I, I literally took your work because it was like, I took your head of the work that of the artwork you made. I made it into a logo. How much can I pay for a licensing fee for commercial purposes? And they were like, yeah, here's X amount. And then I gave them like, I don't know, double the money because I was getting paid a lot more than the licensing fee they asked for. And I just felt bad because I love the work and like, you know, that they did. And I just used their head and said, this is not only the inspiration, this is the reference for it. So I gave them the licensing fee, commercial licensing fee and I have it in document and everything. And what happens? Everybody's happy. Not yeah. only that, I paid them double the licensing fee. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a good day. I, for made, I made their day. I literally made their day like by paying them and I got paid too. Now here's the thing. I got paid. I pay them half of what I got paid because let's face it. Like, even though I made seven, 10 different variations of a logo, like not variations, different types of logos, the direction they wanted was this guy's face artwork. Yeah. And it was like, I just felt bad because I was like, hey, like if, dude, they really like your work. Uh, I try to alter it like so much that it wasn't your work, but they still liked your work. And I just gave them the money. And I was like, here you go. Here's half of what, what I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah. And that's and the big like, thing, right? And like, it's tripled the licensing fee. They're like super yeah. happy. Like, yeah, and you could have done that. Like, you could have just done that. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, that is the biggest thing because you can keep artists happy. And that's when you, if you really like, like you said, if you want to reference something, that's fine. You don't have to always get permission to reference, but only to reference. Like if you're not yeah. directly using it, but if you do end up using it and you use it quite heavily, then yeah, get permission to use it. And if it's still original art after that, but again, heavily referenced, it's still, there's, there's professional ways around this. So even if I, for example, when I was coming up with YouTube content ideas for Parabellum, I would go look at the YouTube channel and be like, oh, or go look at another esports org and be like, oh, I like that idea. I like that idea. I like that idea. Did I take their footage? Hell no. But it's, that's, that's good referencing. You're allowed to do that. You can look at a tree outside for a painting that's referencing but you're not taking the real tree and putting it on paper that would be copyright yeah it's, like, it's, so, it's so weird it's, silly. it's so weird and all you have to do is ask like for commercial purposes and you yeah just it's a 30 minute conversation purpose. like it's like a 30 minute it's like hey i'm going to be using this for x thing it's going to be mass reproduced uh here's here's the actual and i was i don't have to tell them how much i was making off a project yeah. But like, I do it out of courtesy, right? I'm like, here's how much I'm making off, off this project. Now I put in a ton of work, but obviously they love like, like what I, I they love your ref, like your reference head work. And I just felt really bad if I just took your head, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, cause like this guy drew out full body art, but I just took the head of it. And I was like, here you go. I'm just yeah, like here, have your day. And then I paid him triple them out because that's it'll equal to half of like, half of what I got paid and he was super happy and yeah. I was like great and dude like you never know like that I don't 
just at the end of the day, keeping keeping everybody happy. There's always professional ways to do things. And I think the biggest thing to do professionally is end this episode. <laughs> so we are going to be back on Friday. We're going to be back with another episode. We're going to keep you guys updated with all of this going on. We've implemented new chapters, so you'll see it down below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if you don't like any of the topics we talk about from, from this episode onward, you're going to be able to skip through them. And we've got some big news coming through. But uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter for all that news at the Refrag TV. Yeah, we'll see you Friday.